Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads, just like you, to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, mums and dads. I am Meg Fora. I'm an occupational therapist and I'm absolutely passionate about helping parents. People often think that I work with babies, which of course I do, but all the work that I do with babies is done through their parents because essentially that's the way that it happens. And so I've always worked with babies with sleep problems, feeding problems, and more recently have developed an app called the Parent Sense app. And every week on this podcast, which is Sense by Meg Fora, I'm joined by a guest and that guest is some Sometimes a baby expert or somebody who has something to share with us. And in other times, it is a new mum. And we have been tracking for the last nearly seven months, Cassidy and Rax. So last year, Cass had just had baby Max and we went through the drama of a little ill baby who at the time was in, in high care. And he is now a really robust, I think six and a half month old. Cass, welcome. And how old is Max now? He's 27 weeks. So it's incredible. Yeah. And yeah. he is very robust. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. He's a stocky little chap. When I see pictures of him, I'm just blown away by, you know, he's, he's, he's very upright. He's sitting beautifully just past six months. In fact, he sat just before six months, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And I mean, the thing about Max is I feel he's always, as soon as he, establishes one skill he then is always straight on to the next one I'm very frustrated that he can't do it so (laughs) he's in a rush yeah he's really is in a rush so one day I'll tell him slow down (laughs) (laughs) so how has your week with the 27 week old been yeah, it's been really good. So we've been in France. We went, my husband was running the marathon. So we've been traveling a bit. We got the ferry over and drove. It was our, the first time we've done a long drive. It was mm. just over four hours, which with the amount Max is eating and how regularly he has to eat at the moment. And it was very, actually the ferry was very early in the morning. So we decided we were actually going to wake Max a couple of hours before we had to leave for the ferry. So we had to leave at 7am. So we woke him at 5am so that he was hitting his two hour awake window on our drive to the ferry with the view that we then have to, you have to sit in queues waiting Mm. toward the ferry and that sort of thing. So we thought at least then he'll get that sleep. And then we decided And then that would allow him to be awake for the, it was only an hour ferry and we could feed him on that and he could sort of get stimulated. He loves people. So he could look Mm. at all the people and things like that. And then hopefully the plan was that as we were arriving in France, he would then be ready for his next sleep because he'll have done two hours awake time once we woke him up. Mm -hmm. How did it work? (laughs) It all worked perfectly. Oh, wow. Amazing. He fell asleep as we got in the car. This is the journey there. I will tell you about the journey back (laughs) later, which was a very different experience, but not really because of Max, more because of his parents. But he, yeah. And so then we stopped halfway and gave him his bottle, which he was due. And then we we carried on and we we got to France. Uh, We got to Paris um, sort of early evening time where he could have his dinner 
and then we set about doing the bath routine. But as you have said several times, because there's that hour change, I was working with that and making sure when he woke, I was sort of doing the maths and that sort of thing. So we were quite strict with the awake times. But one of the things that actually I noticed through the whole week, and this seems to be a bit of a habit, is shorter sleeps. He is, even in the car seat, I thought he would do a long stretch in the car Mm. seat, but he's waking up after 40 minutes, even in the car seat. For midday sleep as well, for all of his sleeps? All of his sleeps, whether he's in a pram, Mm. in a car car seat. But he's also, I think the reason he's waking up is because he seems to be pooing a lot. He's doing a lot of small poos throughout the day, which he used to do one big one in the morning and then that would be it. And I don't know if that's something to do with teething. Mm-hmm. It can be. It certainly can. Are they that kind of acid smelling poos? I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, like I'm trying not to really smell them. But. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. But a really acid smelling teething poo, you can't help. You've got to like, put yeah. a peg on your nose. If I mean, you're it's not, not pleasant. But. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So look, I mean, it's, it's actually very unusual. And it's one of those things that parents often ask about is, you know, how long can I expect my baby to sleep for? And there is a fairly classic trajectory that goes for the first kind of naught to six weeks old babies tend to do quite long stretches of sleep so they actually you can fall asleep and sleep from one feed to the next feed and you know it's i guess it lets us in easily as new mums and then of course it all changes when they start to become more social at around six weeks and then they start to do these classic 45 minute sleeps every single day sleep and then at about six months it is supposed to be the other way around it is supposed to be actually that they start to stretch one of those sleeps which is usually that midday sleep mm. so he did start to stretch one of those sleeps what at around about about five months, I think. Yeah, he was doing, especially if he was in the pram, sometimes we'd have mm. to wake him because he was due a feed. He could mm. go two and a half hours even. And he was doing, he was managing even an hour and 20 minutes in the cot, which mm. was very exciting. Which is two sleep cycles, correct? Yeah, yeah but yeah, he just, it's it doesn't seem to matter where yeah. he is. You can almost set your clock by him. Yeah, so first, a couple of things. At six months old, we are, we can, or we would like to expect three sleeps a day. And in order to get those three sleeps a day, you need to have two short and one long. Mm. And so the ideal for his age is to have that one short being in the morning. So usually between eight and 10 in the morning will be our first sleep, watching the awake time. So depending on what time you work in the morning, if you woke up at seven, it'll be then at nine and you'll go down for a really nice 45 minute sleep. And that sleep typically is one the one that they wake up from. And that's perfect. Likewise with the late afternoon sleep, which we re- rewind two hours from bedtime. So if bedtime is seven, that can be finished by five. So usually at about four, there'll be another sleep, which will then take 45 minutes. In the ideal world, if you're going to have those two, you've then got to have quite a long sleep over midday, otherwise your wake times become just too long. And so a couple of tips to kind of link that midday sleep cycle. So the first thing is he'll need some really good protein and fats in his lunch before he has that sleep. So pop in the proteins and fats. Have you? Is he on full protein now? Yeah. So eggs, dairy, fish, nuts, brilliant. Okay, so that's important and really good for him. So definitely I would make sure that that lunch is is really nice and hearty. The next thing I would suggest is to pop a little bottle in after that lunch. And it's a little trick I use. It's not, I know it's not time for the bottle feed because the bottle feeds in usually mid-morning, mid-afternoon, but just pop a little 60 ml, maybe two ounce bottle in just 
after that lunch, just before sleep time. So you're wanting to make sure that that lunch is happening before sleep and that sleep is then obviously after lunch, which means that sometimes lunch will be at like 11 in the morning or 11.30. So you're going to move that lunch around so that it falls just before that day when that day's sleep is due. So if he slept, for instance, from 9 to 10 in the morning and his next sleep is due, let's say at 12, because it's a two-hour stretch, then half past 11, give him his lunch and give him a nice little bottle after that as well, a little top-up bottle. So at the moment, the schedule sort of tends to be he is waking up at around, well, don't forget Max is an intermittent faster, so he doesn't have his breakfast straight away. So he's usually having his first bottle between 7 and 7.30. So his second bottle is usually due between 11 and 11.30. Yes. Okay. So and when is he having breakfast? At about nine or, or just before or just, depending on when his sleep is due, it's just before or just after his okay. first so sleep. So this is going to work quite well. So first of all, on a nutritional level, a reminder to everybody that everything changes at six months and up to six months, your absolute living priority in terms of nutrition is milk, whether that is breast milk or formula milk, that is the priority. So you never want to jeopardize your baby's appetite for milk by putting solids before milk. However, come six months, everything switches around. And that's because milk and particularly breast milk doesn't have sufficient iron in it. Um, Formulas do have iron because they're fortified, but there's a lot of other things that are in solid food that now becomes more important after six months. So now the good news is that solid meals are the priority. So what my suggestion would be is, so you can do one of two things. So scenario A is you keep it exactly as it is. So you give him his milk bottle at seven, whatever time you're giving him that, your breakfast will then be at around about nine when he wakes up or just before he goes to sleep, whichever way around it is, but he has that that breakfast. And then my suggestion would be to drop that mid-morning bottle and to give him lunch and to follow it with a bottle exactly as I've just suggested. So you kind of get this lunch in at 11. So it's, you know, kind of, you can call it a hearty snack or a lunch or whatever, but it's two hours after the breakfast, give him lunch, give him his bottle after that. So he does have the opportunity to have the milk. How big should that bottle be? In that case, offer a full one and you're offering it after lunch. So he might not have it all. He might not love it all. So that's option one. What he'll then end up with is he'll end up with three milk feeds, which will be the, that morning milk, the, the midday kind of, or in fact, it still is four milk feeds. The, the midday is just before that sleep, the two or three in the afternoon milk then, and then the evening milk as well. So you've still got your full milk milk feeds. And I think he's still having one. He probably is still having one at about three, three to five in the morning anyway. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that's, that's scenario one. So now, and, and, and we'll come back to those nighttime wakings as well, because <laughs> I can see that there's something on the tip of your tongue, I guess, that is going to be different. Option two, and this is also a distinct option, is that if he's having a bottle anywhere between 12 and six in the morning, you drop that 7 a.m. bottle altogether. Okay. And so you consider the nighttime feed as a 24 a feed within 24 hours and you then offer him breakfast at seven o'clock then his next milk at 10 then his lunch at 11 or 11 30 just before he goes down for sleep with a little top up bottle and then you back um, to the normal sequence after that and my suggestion would be is if you've written down those times or if you can memorize them is to trial one day on one day off and see what works best for him Usually by seven months, little ones will start to actually drop either the mid-morning feed or the mid-afternoon feed. So he's moving towards that anyway, which is absolutely fine. Okay. Yeah. Because you are correct. There was something on the (laughs) So last week, I think I was getting very excited because he was sort of going till four and we discussed doing half a feed 
at kind right. of 4 a.m. Yes, and we half did. Mm. That was all lovely. And then we um, went away. And I don't know if it's that he was in an unfamiliar room mm. or what it was, but he basically has been waking again at around one or two mm. for that feed. So I've been giving him the full feed because yeah. that's obviously, but he, and he's been wolfing it down. So it's not that he's sort of waking and isn't mm. hungry. Cause at first I thought, should I maybe just try and resettle him without mm. the milk? But he was absolutely wolfing that. I mean, that is the fastest bottle that goes down. It goes in one go, mm. barely draws breath. And, you know, I mean, I am back in bed within 15 minutes, mm. but it's an irritation. Yeah. We, and it's also irritating because we were going towards the morning and now we've gone backwards a bit. Exactly. This episode is brought to us by Parent Sense, the all in one baby and parenting app that helps you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. So a couple of options there. The first one is you can definitely start offering him cold boiled water at that time. And usually when we have a regression after six months, that's exactly what we do because before six months, we're still prioritizing milk and it's tricky. Mm. After six months, just milk is just not a priority. So putting him on to, you know, offering him water at one or two, and then only like drawing a line in the sand and saying he can only have milk after three, let's say, would be mm. absolutely fine to do. It's also fine in the context of all of his feeds to just get that one o'clock over give it to him because he's not generalizing it to other wakings in the night and you know it's only one and continuing as you are and those are already your two options yeah because he does then sleep through you know he's not then waking for his other feet See, that's not a major thing you know and i think i think mums often get hysterical because we all hear of the mums and i see them every week on my sleep course, the mums who have got a one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock waking, you know, or a 10, one, two. So they're, they're the ones who are waking up for habits and, and are needing the milk to get back to sleep. But when you've got one single milk feed, and it's really, like you said, disruption of 15 minutes and you're back into bed, then sometimes it's easier to just go with that flow and to just just meet that need. It will move out. The mm. minute you start to have a second waking, we then go, hold on, hold on. Yeah. How, how is he actually falling asleep? And the critical thing is after a milk feed is that he must always go back down awake. And if he does that and settles himself, he's not going to generalize it to, I need the milk to fall asleep. Yeah. I've actually had to start turning the monitor sound off because he chats to himself in right. his cot for about 15 minutes after that feed before he goes back down to sleep. That's incredible. But I would like to go to sleep sooner. <laughs> sooner. So, yeah, yeah. so um, Nothing wrong so yeah. with that. And you know, it's interesting. I mean, you bring up something around baby monitors and I actually saw recently on a TikTok that I was mentioned on where somebody was going, well, you know, we, we shouldn't have baby monitors on or do we want baby monitors? And it was, you know, there was a whole debate that ensued and it was actually an ill baby who the, that the mum that that particular mum who was the influencer who was talking about it and her little one really did need a, a it was a breathing monitor and so it was a, it was imperative that she did have but there was this debate about whether or not we should have baby monitors and you know I definitely think that at this age it's actually worth just turning baby monitors off particularly if your little one's room is close to your room which I think Max's is you know you oh, you're not yeah. going to you're not going to not hear him you're going to wake and so I have always really prioritized mum's sleep 
I think it's the most important thing because in order to be a good co-regulator in the day, which means you're watching your baby signals, you're in tune with them, you're staying calm, you, you're doing all that high, massive responsibility on an emotional level, you actually need to be rested. Mm. And so I don't like it when moms are staying awake for 15 minutes because they're listening to the little one's chatter on the, on the baby monitor. So turning the monitor off is spot on in terms, you know, in terms of that. And it's also actually quite interestingly, and there's been research that's shown this, that moms who don't have baby monitors with their baby in the other room, their babies are actually better sleepers because they do wake, but they're not distressed and crying. They chatter to themselves, they go back to sleep and therefore mom doesn't get the opportunity to over-respond because mm. she doesn't hear them. So you'll hear your baby if you need, if you need, if they need you and, and otherwise, yeah, turn it off. Yeah, I, what we also, because I, what I do sometimes is he might make noises, which wakes me up, but it's useful to see him still mm. on the monitor because I can see if he is just rolling around and making mm. some noise or if he's got himself stuck and wedged <laughs> in a corner or if he's lost yeah. his comforter or something yeah. like that. So I don't have to go in to check mm. what the noise is about. But what I actually do is I wear an eye mask over my eyes because it lights up every time he moves. Oh, and so sometimes that you. can, yeah. So what I do now is I just sleep with an eye mask and the sound down. Mm. And so I'm not waking up every time he moves. But when the, you wake the, up, you could just look over. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So okay. now that works well. Cass, you've mentioned something else. It's another controversy, which I would love to just talk about. And that's, he wakes up with a comforter. Can you mm. tell me a little bit about Max's little, I call it a doo-doo. It's actually a French word, D-O-U-D-O-U, but people call it different names, lovies, comforters, his doo-doo. Tell me about his doo-doo. We introduced it quite a while ago go just sort of put I slept with it for quite a long time and then we introduced it to him and um, he at the moment he only has it when it's sleep time so I have read in some places about you know give it to them when they're sad or they're upset as so that it's a comfort thing he's never really well we're very lucky Max doesn't really get very sad so I've never brought it in so he it's kind of his association when he goes to into his cot we give it to him and that means okay you're now going down for a sleep I have I have three or four of them <laughs> I'm terrified that he's going to leave them and we took a spare to France and that sort of thing and it's just a little very very soft material it's a little square and in one corner there's a little elephant and he his favorite thing to do is to sleep with it over his face, which the yes. first few times was quite terrifying. And I thought, yes. oh my God, I have to go and move it. But he, that, in fact, I have a picture from his sleep this morning where he was fast asleep on his back with his comforter completely over his face. Yeah. And, you know, I watch him in the night and he will reach for his comforter and really snuggle it up to his face or he'll put yeah. it in his mouth. And I, yeah, it's it saved us as parents having to go in because that is his mm. oh, there's he's called Kimbo we call him Kimbo there's Kimbo and he feels mm. safe and it really is amazing watching him yeah even when I think oh god Kimbo's over there how's he gonna know where Kimbo is when he wakes up and he's gonna but he puts his arm out he knows exactly where he is at all times he brings amazing. him in and he really cuddles him mm. and adores him and I love he's it. a blessing 
I love it. Absolutely love it. And the reason I say it's controversy is that, you know, there's this advice that goes out and sleep advice can be quite polarized, but there is advice that you should have absolutely nothing in your cot with your baby at all. And that includes Docotot sleep positioners. It includes Nurture One sleep positioners. It includes doo-doo blankies and cot bumpers and pillows and duvets. And so moms are told to have a very sterile space just with a mattress. My advice and, and listening to what you've said, I think probably you and I have spoken about this before because it's certainly the advice that I do give out. The first thing is that babies have to have a comforter object. And that's because when they work out that the object, which is mom or dad, the love object is not part and parcel of them and is sometimes apart from them, they actually really do need something that they can latch onto and settle themselves with. And it's very important. And particularly as they hit nine months, which is going to be a sleep regression associated with um, separation anxiety. Sorry, there <laughs> is another one coming. Yeah. <laughs> but when that happens, we want them to have this comfort object. So so the first thing is that they're very important. And the second thing is, and I loved what you said to keep it small. By and large, moms try and keep it, if it's a square piece of fabric, try and keep it to under 15 centimeters square. And the reason for that is exactly what Max is doing, is that babies do tend to put them on their face and you want them to be small enough that there's actually, they're never kind of wrapping around their head and down towards their ears and kind of suffocating them. So you want it to be fairly small. The next principle, which I know that we must have spoken about, Cass, because you've done it, is that you have got to have four. Mm. And that is a very important rule. And I think I said to you right at the beginning, I said, if, if somebody gives you that gorgeous, unique, soft yeah. toy from Harrods, like either go and raid Harrods for the ne other for three backups or go and get something more simple. And in some ways, the most simple ones are the best ones because they're things that can be replaced. The other thing that I love about what you've said, Cass, is that you are rotating them and that you kind of have having them because as you mentioned, Max is bringing them to his nose. And mm. a lot of the comfort that actually is derived from doo-doo blankies is in the smell. And the problem is that after a while, and you'll see this when it's a two-year-old doo-doo blankie, it'll be a little bit stinky. It does happen. Is that some parents in their wisdom try and take the stinky doo-doo blankie away and replace it with the identical doo-doo blankie, but brand new off the shelf. And it is immediately rejected because it's just not the same. Mm. And so we want these doo-doo blankies to be rotated in and we want to, we want a backup plan as well which is exactly what you've mentioned yeah and actually while he has one I have the other one in my bed so I'm right. constantly the, the one he's getting next I'm mm. I've got my comforter <laughs> I love it I really yeah. love that Cass if you enjoy my podcast I would like to share one of my favorite podcasts with you the honest hour Christina Masaryk is mom to two boys and a third little boy on the way She's an American expat living in Cape Town, South Africa since 2008 and decided to start sharing her experiences in parenting since 2017. Having grown up in a dysfunctional family environment in her own childhood, which led to her adoption at the age of 10, Christina is passionate about finding purpose and presence in parenting, as well as exploring our own opportunity for healing and personal growth as we navigate the world of parenting our own children. Christina believes in ending the trauma cycle and that in parenting our own children, we can learn how to reparent ourselves. So pop on over to Christina's podcast, The Honest Hour.
That is advice that I usually give to mums of little ones under nine weeks is to sleep with their little ones' comforters for a while in their bed. And so it smells of them. So by the time their little one's ready to start holding it, which is at about nine weeks, it actually already smells of mum. And so for those of you who have newborns who are listening, a baby under nine weeks can't hold a doodly blankie and there's no point in putting it in the cot with them. But a baby after nine weeks is starting to be able to hold. And that's when we start to introduce it. And then Cass, just one other thing that you mentioned, which is quite interesting interesting, not a controversy, but just different opinions, is around whether or not little ones carry their duties around with them. It's it's great that he isn't needing it outside of the cotton, so you can certainly continue with exactly as you're doing. But I am a real fan of duty blankies in the toddler years. The toddler years, little ones are going through a lot emotionally, and the ability to self-regulate their behavior and their emotions is like at the max. They're really working hard on staying calm, on dealing with separations, on just a whole lot of things. Starting a new place, group, having a new sibling, whatever it is. I mean, there's a list as long as an arm of what a toddler goes through. And that comfort object can provide comfort when moms can't. So I'm actually a fan of little ones having them when they're awake, if they need them as well. He doesn't need it now. But I think Mm -hmm. if he does go through a patch where he's just grisly and he's just needing you and he's not well or whatever it is, having a doodoo blankie outside of the cot is also a perfect solution. I have tried when he had a cold a few weeks ago or when he's been teething, because I had read about giving it to them for comfort. But I thought, oh, I'll go and get Kimbo and see see what happens and just, you know, have a little. And I had this <laughs> image in my head of like cuddling my little boy and he'd have his little comforter and it was <laughs> such a cute little picture. And he just was not interested yeah. in Kimbo. He sort of just, he he was interested with him as he was with any toy, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a sort of, oh, there's my comforter and I love it. You know, it, it, he only seems to have that when he's going to sleep. And you know, it brings up such a fascinating thing about little ones is that the way that we train them or what we do with them becomes what they'll expect. And, you know, I've often said to mums, for instance, they ask, you know, can can my little one just always sleep in the pram on the go? And can we go out for dinner and let them sleep under the the table in the restaurant? You know, does that work? Well, it works when they're little, but the minute they start to have associations, they start to associate things very strongly. And actually it can completely disrupt sleep. What's interesting about what Max is doing is that his association is so strong that Kimbo is associated with sleep that he cannot actually generalize Kimbo into another context, which mm. is really amazing. So, I mean, it just shows how as parents, you know, I mean, and if it was feed to sleep, you can imagine that would be mm-hmm. the thing that he would associate. So what we've developed for him and what you've developed for him is a sleep association that is really healthy, critically because it can be used independently. And I think people freak out about sleep associations and they say, I don't want my baby to have a sleep association. And mums, in fact, even you asked me, what about the sleep association for white noise? And my opinion on it is that if it's something they can use without you there, go for it. And that includes things like a Kimbo, a doodoo blankie, white noise, you know, all of those things are great because they can be used independently. And even in the toddler years, a bottle of water is an example. People wonder about giving water, just leaving water in the cot. Nothing wrong with that because it's not disrupting their appetite. It's not, not having an impact on health, but it's an association they can use independently. Yeah. He, sometimes when he's being looked after by granny, granny does not like the white noise. And so she tells me she forgets 
to put the white noise on. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure, but he does. And and then she's very proud because she'll say he slept absolutely fine. I forgot the white noise, but he didn't seem to have a problem. <laughs> <That's> so, <laughs> so I don't know if the white noise is an association, but I think for me, the white noise has become more of a thing for us because we're in a small cottage. Mm. You know, it means when I know the white noise is on, I'm a little bit more relaxed about mm. having to sneak around and not make any noise mm. because, and I, we laugh now, you know, even when we're locking the door, when he was a baby, we used to like really gently take the one key that we needed and try and not make any noise and turn in yeah. the lock. Now we pick up the bunch, we turn yeah. the keys, you know, and, yeah. and he doesn't even flinch. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, if that's it's the interesting. Noise. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you mentioned that about the white noise and him not needing it at your mum's house. And, you know, actually, that is one of the things with sleep associations that's quite great is that over time, little ones stop needing them specifically. And so if you did decide maybe oh, we don't feel like playing the white noise anymore, you could do an experiment night and see how he's sleeps in your home without it. And that's exactly what happens is that we start to remove all the support crutches, which are very important in the early days. We start to remove them as our little ones become better and better at self-regulating the estate. So you can try that. You can see whether or not he doesn't need the white noise, but otherwise leave it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing the experiment nights whenever he's at granny. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, Cass, what an interesting chat today. Thank you so much. Thank and I think you. the next time we speak, he'll be even obviously even closer to seven months old. Yes. Yeah, he will yeah. be indeed. Excellent. Great, Cass. Thanks for the chat. Thanks, Meg. Bye. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.